This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by The Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to TheBeanBastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to The Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. Now on to the show. People say you have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. This rings true because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. It's really hard. And you have to do it over a sustained period of time. So if you don't love it, and if you're not having fun doing it, you're gonna give up. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John, and this episode's guest is Maria Lessing of Future Palace. Um, This was actually a really interesting chat. Uh, I didn't really know much about the band and had gotten the email about their latest album run getting ready to come out and found the backstory of basically that the band had put out this previous record and then the pandemic happened and that they were a new band, a new signee uh, and didn't get to tour in support of the last record they just put out and just kind of thinking about how crazy that is to, to kind of you know, put your heart and soul into this, your first record, this first thing that everyone is, you know, going to hopefully connect with and how you build your brand from there. And then you don't get to put it out. Like you don't get to tour it. You don't get to support it because the whole album is essentially just put out and the world stopped. And I know for me personally, and a lot of people, I think we kind of stopped maybe checking out new music because there was sort of this sense of, well, what's the point? I, I, you know, I'm going to listen to it now, but then, you know, I I can't go see the band and they're not touring, they're not doing anything. And so it just kind of created this interesting talking point to me of, of what do you do in that situation? And as I kind of thought about it more, uh, you know, especially at this point now, you know, they have a new record. How do you pick a set list when you've never really played any of the material? Because now you have two albums worth of material and fans may want to hear certain songs, but you're kind of over that material, even though you're you're not in the truest of senses. It's not because you've played a million shows and oh, I'm tired of hearing those songs or whatever. But you know, there's there's something to be said about a band when they play live. You you kind of find your set list. Um, so to kind of have to curate a, a set list of two albums worth of material, and it's potentially going to be the first time your fans are hearing anything. Like, what goes into that? So a lot of interesting things uh, to, to talk about just on, on the surface level of something. But even beyond that, what ended up happening is kind of really interesting how Marie and I really just kind of get into the differences of, of our respective countries. And 
you know, the perception of, and I'll speak more for me because I can, but just this idea that, you know, I as an American, it's, it's very hard to not look at the world and think of the world solely as I see it, solely as I have experienced things to be from even a political standpoint. Um, you know, I, I try not to get too political or, or too involved in, in religion and so forth, because the point isn't to, to be off-putting to different people. Um, but I realize sometimes in talking to people who are not from here in the States that it gets really interesting how little geographically I know about the world that I live in. And what's interesting to me is thinking about, you know, at different times Maria was like, oh, well, you know, I could take a train and, and be now in another country. And to me, it's weird to think of being a few hours away from another country because I can go hours and still be in the state, same state here, Michigan. I can start in Grand Rapids and drive eight hours and still still be in Michigan at the top part of the UP or so forth. And, you know, I can drive three hours and I can go to another state, but that's not another country with a whole new possibly political system in place and so forth. So it's very interesting to be able to kind of do these podcasts and get outside of your own comfort zone, get outside of what you know, your world that you know. But it was really interesting to me that there was someone in Maria where we kind of were able to to talk about these things and kind of work through the perceptions, I guess, of each other globally and, and dispel some things and kind of talk about some bigger talking points of, you know, spirituality and religion and art and therapy and, and just, I mean, so much more. Like, this was one where I don't want to say the expectation was kind of low, but I think it's it's the unknown. I, I don't really know much about this band. They had only been on my radar for maybe a few days before I, I sat down and talked with Maria. But the impact it had when we were done, I, you know, I walked away thinking so much about this conversation and it's why I love doing this podcast. It's, it's why I love talking to all kinds of people. It doesn't matter if I'm necessarily the biggest fan of your genre of music or you as a person necessarily. I think there's something you can learn about sitting down and just talking to somebody. Um, all of that aside, I really want to get into this episode with Maria. So let's do that, and I will talk to you on the other side of it. First things you know that I want to that I find interesting, you know, about your band is essentially you know you you are one of the 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 bands kind of that I talk I had talked about when the pandemic really started, where it's like, what does it do for the momentum of the bands that are putting out a record? Then the pandemic hits and it's like all of the momentum that you've been building by you know the release cycle of of putting out singles and you know the touring opportunities that you would have had at the time and it's like went away for you. So I've not had the experience to actually talk to someone who went through that. So how how hard and or frustrating is it to feel like you're finally getting all this momentum and just kind of have it taken away? Hmm. Um, it was pretty, I mean, it's been, it feels like it was um, 
it feels like it was away for so many years. Like it feels far away because we've toured now. We we've been on a festival, and I'm, that's the state I'm in right now. I'm really thankful. Uh, but back then, I barely knew that this touring experience exists or that these festivals exist because I've never played a festival before. I've never done a real tour. We've done one mm. tour before the pandemic started. And um, therefore it wasn't really new to not be on stage <laughs> a lot of times, you know, because this band, we just started out and yeah, we met in 2018. That's when we also went to the studio right away. And um, therefore there wasn't that much time before everything started. And mm. we were pretty quick with doing the first album and everything. Yeah. We released it in 2020. Um, so for me personally, it was frustrating, but it didn't feel like, different because we never toured before really mm. we had one tour um but now that i've experienced it it is insanely different <laughs> it's insanely <laughs> different and it helps you so much and it actually gives you feedback you understand your songs better you see how people react you see what works life and what doesn't and all of that was something we were missing we didn't know and we couldn't experience so we were just straight on focusing on the new album almost there was hardly any time to even reflect on escape yeah well and and that was kind of the interesting thought to me about it is you know as artists and, and creative people you know a lot of times it's often said you know you spend the time working on it until it reaches this certain level of like we're ready to put it out into the world and then you get the feedback and then when you tour or you see you tour with it in whatever capacity it is if it's art or you know whatever playing music that it becomes this thing where you're like, oh, this part that I wrote, I didn't realize was going to pop off as well as it does live. Mm -hmm. So then when you start writing on your, your follow-up record, because you know the old adage is you have a lifetime to work on your first record and you have a very short amount of time to write the follow-up because people are then expecting something. Mm -hmm. So it becomes one of those to me where thinking about how you didn't really have the experience to, to tour out your first record, to kind of get that interaction with fans, to see how parts go over live, to then go, you know what we need? We need a part like on this song where it gets the whole crowd going like immediately, we need another song like that, or we need the the in-between song in the middle of a set to kind of bring everything down and, and kind of build things up again. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people don't realize how much the live show informs the writing process as you start doing this more and more. So yeah. to me, it was it was interesting to think about that and even see the growth from uh, the first record to now where you don't have those experiences to do that. So I thought that was really kind of interesting to see if, mm. you know, and I know it's the three of you uh, that write or mainly the two of your guitar player, I believe, and, and you yeah. that write. So it's like if it's that the the pattern to write is that that quick that it would seem to me that like you touring, doing the festivals and all those kind of things would allow you two to sit down and just go, okay, we're already writing for the next thing because we're, we're excited and mm. we can write that quickly. Yeah, we should actually. <laughs> <laughs> Even though this record's like a month old at this point. Oh, that is so insane. I never knew before how close the working process is to each other. I thought like you release something, then you just chill and enjoy your life. But yeah, currently we're just focusing on gigs because we were not able to go on stage with the first album. So now there's a bunch of shows that we need to, are like a lot of time, like almost two years that we need to redo. 
right. that we weren't able to have a live presence at all, like nothing at all. So now we're more focusing on getting gigs, honestly, like all the gigs and everywhere in, in, a, in the entire world, if possible. Um, but yeah, it definitely changes the way you write. And um, I couldn't experience it so far because I haven't written anything, but I have many different things on my mind now. Um, seeing many songs perform live, like how they how they are, how the people react. And we learn, we're still learning right now because there's still a bunch of songs we haven't performed live. Mm -hmm. And we're just trying to now play this album live a few times and then we will be able to understand properly how they how they work and um yeah we we now experience it for a few songs we know which ones work really really well, great we also have a few songs that we personally don't enjoy as much playing live but we know they work live <laughs> that's something we wouldn't have expected before and or we also take songs out of the set and exchange them for others and all all that stuff so this is right now a learning process for us and we finally are able to get the time to perform all these songs with different crowds, different countries, everything we didn't know before. So that is really, really interesting. I feel like it would be kind of interesting to essentially have two records worth of material that has never been played live, really, mm -hmm. to then figure out, a, a, I guess, to figure out, like, the first album. If you look back on it now and you're like, huh, I don't really know. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to have because I've heard you say in a couple other interviews that basically these are two kind of concept records that, you know, escape and then run. I mean, even thematically of, of the actual lyrics to the visuals and so forth. So there's a theme going between the two, but I feel like it'd be interesting to try to figure out what a set live would look like where you have kind of these two different themes and, and which songs work together and maybe even realizing for the first time, how well some of these are companion pieces for, to one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is, it is pretty hard or, or not really hard, but we, um, for example, we have a, we have a tour coming in August in just a few weeks. I'm like, wow, this year is so different from last year. <laughs> <laughs> so di completely different life, honestly. Um, and we are, we are, uh, or we, I'm not sure if we 100% figured out our set list yet, but that is a big topic with us. How do we combine Escape and Run together? Because we haven't had time to play uh, Escape live, really. There are so many songs that we haven't played yet, really, or just our headline tour, which was like, compared to the tour we're going on now, pretty small and was just the first try after the pandemic, honestly. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the, it's pretty hard because then we would, of course, rather pick the new songs because first of all, more streams, most of them, we they're just more new, we're just more hyped. But then um, Johannes, our drummer and manager, reminds us like, we never played this live. Like, should we just give this a chance? <laughs> like, <laughs> we, we just never gave this a chance and maybe it might work great for this audience. Um, yeah. Oh, are you still there? Your picture froze. Oh, the internet. Yeah. Oh, now you're back. We're good. We're good. Okay, perfect. Yeah, your 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 uh, webcam yeah. was frozen for a second. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> so it was yours. <laughs> oh, okay. Shit. Okay. It's the internet, and we don't live in the same country. So, like, there's sure. been people who, when they uh, complain about it, I'm like, we don't live in the same country, and the that fact that we're true. even able to do this is, you know, 
without much lag thing. at all is 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 amazing and a miracle. So why are mm -hmm. you complaining about something that's free? <laughs> that's so true. Because yeah, so far it was always pretty easy, and you keep forgetting where the other person is right now. Like how far away? Yeah, yeah. true. So yeah, yeah but mm -hmm, that's pretty much what it is right now. We're trying to find or build a bridge or create a set that somehow works um, with both worlds. And there are songs that work well together, but then we would maybe, they wouldn't work as a live set. You know, mm. they might work on a record together, but then we kind of have to figure out, um, yeah, what works for the audience because the tour we're going on now with Battle Beast, it's a different audience, to be honest, than what we're usually used to or we were used <laughs> to with the former gigs. So we are also trying to adapt like, Oh, a lot of things from Escape could actually really work well for this audience. That yeah, so that's kind of how we do it. It's interesting to hear you sound like a veteran already, where you're like, "We're going out with this band, and we need to be aware of the mm. demographic that's coming out to see us." <laughs> yes, because we want to put our best foot forward with them. Like I feel like that's something that yeah. for such a new band, I, I don't feel like a lot of younger, newer bands even remotely think of that. Oh really? I don't yeah, think so. I don't know. I I I mean, first of all. It is also for your for your own comfort, or like at least for me, I, I would feel really, really, really awkward playing really misplaced songs in front of an audience that would expect something else. Like that's pretty cool about us because we're so genre open that we can kind of be, um, we could be openers for almost a indie alternative rock band, but we could also be openers for um, electronic music or also for a metalcore band. And that's pretty pretty fun, to be honest. So we are able to be this flexible and we want to use it. So um, I, I don't want to be a completely different band. Like I wouldn't personally enjoy playing a full on like pop set. I'm not sure if that's <laughs> possible for us, but that's not who we are. But if we are able to adapt and we have a few songs we never were able to play, we, we try to use this as a chance. Um, to, to just use them yeah and see how it goes we might change the set in the tour if we notice it is really not our vibe or something but yeah so far for example with the nsok tour we just had um there was one song a world in tears um i'm, I'm not sure how well aware you're with the titles uh and that's really poppy and it it worked but we felt like oh this is kind of misplaced <laughs> like it's kind of a little too poppy almost for 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 this crowd yeah this may sound kind of weird, like having never my only experience with seeing international crowds is is literally via YouTube and, and live streams and so forth. It seems like potentially having a more popular song, depending on how the song is arranged. It seems like European and German like fans kind of mm. gravitate towards singing back the music. Like, I don't remember what festival it was. And I, I, it was a probably a good decade ago at this point, but seeing MGMT play this like giant festival overseas and the whole crowd they were playing kids so that part was like dun, 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 like the whole crowd singing the melody oh. and it's it's so interesting to see how different crowds will react and, and what they react to that sure. it's like i feel like it's it's one thing to sing a song and have a crowd sing a song to you like that makes sense but when mm. you get to that level where they love a melody and they start singing a melody to you, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's where things like that get interesting where it's like, oh, maybe we could do something a little popular because then it gets a, that kind of a crowd that wants that sort of interaction to mm -hmm. have that. And that's not something 
it's not something I've ever seen here in the States uh, in any of my, my goings to shows and festivals and stuff. So I think it's interesting to kind of think about how you are in a unique position where you say, I don't know if I'd want to do something quite pop because maybe it won't go over. And we have an example where it kind of worked or whatever, but I'm sitting there going like, all I see is how, those festivals and those people seemingly like those kind mm -hmm. of accessible things because then it's something that they, they latch onto. And to me, I don't know. It's just interesting to talk to people from not here because it's, it's just a differing opinion and different perspective on things versus how I see things um, mm. and how they really are. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how, how you could, I'm not sure if that's actually a thing like geographically, if, if mm -hmm. we are really that different, I'm not sure because I haven't been to shows in, in the USA, <laughs> but um, I mean, there's one band who can test us now, which is Electric Callboy. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if you saw their uh, saw their live shows. Uh, I saw them live in Sweden and um, oh my God, it's so fun to see how they interact with the crowd because there's this one part where everyone just screams the melody. Just mm -hmm. one thing you were talking about. Now I'm excited to see if that happens as well when they're in the states. Just, yeah, I don't know. Um, they're playing. They're actually playing here. Uh, a friend of mine. Uh, a friend of mine was offered the tour and they didn't end up taking it. But mm. if they did, then I was going to be on that run uh, that they're uh, doing okay. here in the states. So it's funny that like pads almost would have crossed with those guys. Uh, uh, but mm -hmm. it was kind of weird because like it seems like even they like it's always weird kind of talking about music because like. One of my favorite bands is the band Him. Um, I've mm -hmm. loved that band for forever since I found them. I've seen them countless times. And it's it's interesting because like I think either for us as Americans that when I show it to people, they either get it or they don't. And mm -hmm. it's it's there's not much middle ground. And I mm -hmm. tend to kind of find that with a lot of music that when I would like import CDs from from wherever across different countries, that I feel like American audiences, if I would play it for them, would either be like I don't get it or I love it. And there, mm. there, there was not much middle ground. And I don't feel like that's the same as you're wearing a Paramore shirt. I don't feel like <laughs> that's the same going the other way. Like, I don't feel like you guys are like, here's Paramore and people either like love it or hate it. I feel like they'd be like, this song's kind of cool. This one's kind of whatever. Like you, you pick and choose and you're a little bit more open-minded to a lot of things because I feel like the music scenes across the different countries other than the US is a lot more expansive than it is here and i think you all are more open-minded than we are to trying different things and having different experiences because you are so used to dealing with different different kinds of people than we are here where it's like we're all americans and we all do this <laughs> and we can travel the same distance that you would to go to another country and we're just on the other side of our own yeah yeah true yeah true we are confronted with a lot of more cultures and languages and histories that's kind of true I never actually thought about that if we are more open-minded I'm not sure um might be a thing actually because so many different musicians um come from here like ABBA and so on and so on and we are all aware of them and we just love them like when they work um I'm not quite sure about that I mean there are also a lot of Germans who just dislike things <laughs> and um, who really love their like old school Schlager music, which is almost something like country you would, I think okay. you could compare it to. Yeah, that's something Germans love. Like the older generation, they love like Scooter or like um, 
I can't explain it. It's the worst music for me. Schlager is like the worst. It's so cringy. And it's like made for like old people almost. Uh, it's really, or like really conservative people. It's it's really, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's, it's really weird music. Um, and yeah, a lot of people don't like metal, but I think we are familiar with a lot of music. For example, like Rammstein made a lot of people really tolerant, I think. Because mm -hmm. they're so huge and their shows are really nice to watch. So a lot of people would just watch their shows because they like what they see, not even what they hear sometimes. And we have like huge festivals, of course, like Wacken and so on, which make people more aware of the scene and open-minded, I think. Yeah. Um, which doesn't mean they love it or anything, but they are, they know it exists. And yeah, but um, yeah, I'm not sure if, if that helps us here with, with going live i'm not sure because i haven't even visited every country here in europe um that would take a while and uh, for for example we're going to italy with with battle beast and that's i'm i don't know how they will react to us uh i'm really thankful how the other countries reacted to us so far like sweden was a few weeks ago my first time ever there and i was really 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 pleasantly surprised Even though people there told me that Swedish people are not even that much into metal anymore. Like there's a scene, but it's like not that popular in, in this country in general. That's pretty interesting. This might be a, an odd question, but isn't isn't the festival there Sweden Rock? Um, I'm not sure. We were there at High Five Summerfest. Okay. Okay. Um, I think they have a few big ones, but I I don't know. Like I'm I'm a really say, bad it, person with it's, this. <laughs> it's kind of funny because I feel like here in the states, in the last I'll say probably like ten ish years, it seems like we're starting to finally adapt to what the like the European and and festival season is like over there, where it's like you'll <laughs> have a, a death metal band next to like a you know not quite like the killers or something like that, but like you're starting to see more inclusivity of different kinds of genres all being put together. And that was always something, you know, with a lot of the festivals, not maybe not so much like a, a Vakken festival or something, but you know, with the rock and ring rock and parks, you know, and things like that, where it's like, you could see a metal band and then like kind of a more pop leaning band all playing together. And to me, I was always like, I want to go to that. Those are the kind of festivals I want to go to. because like, I do like all of that. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to hear the same kind of band over and over for three days for 12 hours a day. Like <laughs> that's just, that's not my thing, but mm -hmm. it is interesting as you brought up uh, Rammstein that to me, what I have found interesting about them is in a day and age where so many bands, I think want to break over into the year, the uh, American market, you know, they'll start singing in English if they don't already and appeal to a white, like our demographic, I'll say, And it's mm. so interesting that they have never done a song in English. Yeah, that's like cool. they just stand by their their. I don't want to say their uh, their morale, like not morales. Uh, stick to their guns, basically, where they're just like, no, we're a, we're a German metal band and we're going to sing in German. And if like either you learn it, <laughs> that's really or, cool, actually, or whatever. Yeah. Like, but I I kind of wonder if I had kind of figured maybe there would be more bands that might be like, you know, what, we're going to kind of follow that same path too, like we speak whatever this language is and we're just going to play it and hope that people will find it. I think the only other band I can think of that's done it is the who from uh, Mongolia, I think is where they're from. Hmm. But they speak, they sing all their songs in their native tongue. Like they don't sing in uh, American or English or whatever. So it's one of the few, it's just kind of interesting to think about that. 
Yeah, it is. I mean, we also discussed when we started the band what language we're doing music in. And the boys were actually thinking about or like asking me if I would do German music because logically within Germany, it would probably be easier to become popular with doing mm. German music. Like Tokyo Hotel. I'm not sure how, how famous they were like in the States. Not that, right? They were not, huge not big. here. That's crazy. They were huge here. And I think in Russia, they're really, really big. And I think even in England. That's interesting um, yeah. because they changed their songs to English. They, mm. they translated them. And I think they tried to probably be more like famous in the States as well because I feel like most rock bands are really inspired from a lot of American bands, or at least we were. Um, so we were thinking about doing German and I don't have anything against that. I think that's pretty cool because if you're authentic with it and if that's what you feel comfortable with, just go mm -hmm. for your language. Like Meniskin, right. for example. I'm not sure if they're they're big in the States. I think probably more Europe as well. Oh, yeah. But I, I totally love that they do most things in Italian. That's It's so different than what we're used to on the radio yeah. and everything. And it's really unique. But I personally... Um, I, I told myself I want everyone on this world to be able to understand what I'm saying. And that was my that was my thing. Not only that, of course, it opens a few doors, but that was my thought behind it. Like I, I have siblings in America and they they understand German, but still I want them to completely understand the songs. And I want yeah, everyone to just completely understand what I'm saying. And that was my thought. So But yeah, it is pretty cool to be a completely German band and to have Americans sing along in German. That's pretty cool. I It makes me wonder half the time if anyone even knows what they're actually saying or if they just have kind of learned uh, not even the actual phrasings correctly, but mm. just learning like this tone. This sounds like what it sounds like they're saying. Yeah, I can totally uh, tell you what it's like because I'm not a native, obviously not a native speaker like English speaker and even us Germans or Europeans, I think from third grade on, I learned English. So mm. a lot, like a lot of years. And even I, until a specific age, when I go to a concert, I just ramble along. If that's how you say it. Like I just say random things sometimes because I wouldn't understand the lyrics, but you can still relate to the song or it takes a while. Or I would say I, I don't automatically always listen to the lyrics. I think now it changed, but We will just take a song and hear the sound of it. Um, and that's different. That's why, why older Germans that haven't learned English in school back then, most of them learned Russian. Mm. They, like my grandmother, she hated English music because she couldn't <laughs> understand it. She's like, I can't relate to it. It's like all that English music. Like, where's all the German music? I don't understand it. And yeah, of course, we understand a lot more. And we're like, wait, that's so easy. But yeah, it is, it is different. It is different. It's funny, uh, a friend of mine, Porter, from the band Atreyu, his uh, wife is from uh, Edinburgh, like over, I think, in Darmstadt, I think is how you say it. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's it's been interesting getting to know her and talking to her about, you know, because now she lives in Alabama with Porter and his, and his uh, family's house. And it's one of those things where it's been interesting getting to know her and talking with her and having different conversations about the differences between living over there and living here and like the perception of like, there's what you think it's going to be like when you come over here to the States versus what it actually is. And yeah. so it's been, it's been kind of fun to sort of see 
see things through her perspective because you know sometimes she'll get to tour with the band so you know touring is not something maybe that she's used to so getting to literally see all these places and experience different cultures or what little bit of culture we we actually have here in the states because <laughs> that's been something that you know porter and her and i have all talked about is because he lived out there for a couple years with her since he was able to with his visas and so forth but we had talked mm -hmm. about how rich in culture it is overseas because you all celebrate it and yeah. you appreciate it like you you actually take the time to be reminded of where you all came from and and you respect you know your elders and so forth whereas we as americans are like if it's more than 20 30 years old tear it down build something new and just keep doing that like we don't um. embrace old culture or old things really and so it's it's interesting to kind of talk to someone who has a different life experience, but is also getting to see a lot of firsts here in the States and kind of see what, how they feel about things. Um, mm -hmm. You had mentioned that you have sisters that live here. I believe in one of the other interviews I checked out, you said they live in Seattle. Yeah. Different places. I have three siblings, uh, actually four were raised there, but my brother moved here when he was 12 Mm. Um, and yeah, one is now living in Washington, Seattle, and the other one is living, I think, in Sacramento, okay. California. Mm -hmm. Yes. And um, I think my other sister is thinking about moving down to her, like uh, to California, because I kind of forgot why, but <laughs> I think because of the weather. <laughs> I think the weather was, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting because my sister, uh, who lives in California, she moved to Germany for a year. Uh, a few years ago because that is where she was born and um it's pretty i have a really complicated family story it's worth a movie honestly <laughs> books. honestly it's insane but um she moved here and it was really interesting because she had like this nostalgic memory of germany but i think it was really different for her when reality hit mm. and she could do make the comparison she's like wow like the, the bureaucracy is so different here and it's so crazy what you have to hand in and all that stuff. It's so complicated. And the weather was a big, big, big thing. Um, her back then ex-husband, he actually had like, he got bad depression because of the weather here, because of the winter. He couldn't <laughs> handle it. He was honestly really depressed. It was crazy mm. because I was like, wow, really? Is it that horrible? Like, oh my God, <laughs> my ugly country. I'm sorry. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but at least we have like a lot of safety here. You know, like you get a health insurance, you get a lot of money when you get through all the pain of papers and applying to things. And yes, we are really old school with a lot of things like paper wise. But you get a lot of support if you know where to apply and stuff like that. So she got a bit of support. Um, but yeah, it, it was probably different than she imagined, I think. So yeah, what she a, went back to America. She's big. What? Because I feel like that is such a, a, a really interesting dynamic that I, I've never heard of. Not Not to have so many like where you live one place, they live another place without trying to get too personal, what was it like to have siblings who live somewhere completely different from you? And cause I feel like, uh, I'll kind of relate it to myself and my wife. Like we're looking mm -hmm. to travel internationally for the first time next year. And we're the places we're looking at are so all over the board. It's like, we would like to go to Italy or yeah. do we want to go to Cape town? Like down in, in uh, South Africa or whatever, yeah. or like somewhere, somewhere else. And the interesting thing is we kind of are romanticizing some of these like what ifs, like what is it going to be like and all mm -hmm. these kind of things. 
And I feel like to have a sibling, because you you are usually bonded, especially if you're close in age, like you have the same thoughts, ideas, dreams, and so forth, and you, you want to talk to each other, that I feel like if you were like, oh, I would love to do like what you're doing where I go to this country, or I go to this place and you're like, Oh, I would love to go to Hollywood or whatever. And they, and I could see a sense of both of you kind of being like, no, you don't want to go there. This place sucks. <laughs> so it becomes sure. this interesting thing of like navigating the experiences that you both have that you probably both equally want for yourselves, but the other person is getting to kind of experience it and kind of, Mm -hmm. how that is. I don't know if that makes sense. I'm yeah. kind of trying to work my way through the question, but totally I think it's no, a, yeah. an interesting idea that I've concept really just that I've never heard of like siblings living so far away at potentially such a young age and growing up so separate from one another. Mm. Yeah, it is. Um, we really romanticize each other's countries. Probably. I also have like my, my um, family's pretty spread. My uncle lives in Portugal and um, I have cousins there, and um, so I also never see him, even though that's in Europe. I've, we visit him, him, him a few times, and he comes to Germany a few times, but it is different culture, different everything, different language. It is insane, and we always, like, watch each other on, like, Instagram. Like, we all follow each other, of course, and I've been to America. I've visited my one sister in, uh, I forget the year. Oh, my God, I think 2019 or something. Not that long ago. And that was my pre, first time pre -pandemic. ever. Yeah, pre-pandemic. And that was insane to me. It was really cool to finally see what they see. And um, there were so many stories. Like my family story it was, it's really, really crazy. But so much happened there. And I always just heard of it. But then being able to see it was so different. And um, my my siblings came to visit Germany um few times or at least one of her of the sisters and my brother he actually moved here and he said like i never want to go back again to this country mm. like i never want to go back to the usa and it's so different for each of them and mm. um it's funny because to this day both of my sisters um i think i have three it's really complicated i have three sisters but two with them i talk a lot more and it's pretty hard to say but i feel like all of them almost kind of want to go back to germany because it's their home that's what they remember as their home and when they were children and they say like political wise it's so much safer where you live and um for our children it's so much safer and for for you know the schools for example you can study here for free and stuff like that which is normal to me but not there and when i when i got there i was romanticizing it i'm like all these great bands come from from the usa and i feel like you can only become famous being there and <laughs> like i romanticized it a lot and we watch a lot of movies here in germany that are american and tv shows and we really romanticize it i think but when i went there to seattle um there were so many homeless people and i thought i saw a lot here in berlin since it's the capital and we have mm -hmm. a lot of crazy people here but that was different there were people that usually I wouldn't ever see as homeless people here because here most homeless people, not to get it wrong, like um, I like real, real long homeless people. They are mostly drug drug addicts or pretty old. Like it's it's a common theme. Mm -hmm. I don't want to judge them, but it's a common theme. You kind of know what they look like. And then when I was there, um, I was in Portland for a day. We yep. visited Portland. Oh my God! Me and my my one sister, we went into one street accidentally. It was full of tents Tent and town. people. It was crazy. I was yeah. never this scared, and I was raised here in Berlin. I thought Berlin is not 
that easy going. <laughs> and we just ran away. We're like, what the fuck? Like, what was that? Because there was like, so many mixed people, different ages, everything. Like people you would usually just see like living a great life here. And um, that really, really shocked me. It made me really sad. Also driving through Seattle, seeing the bridges and the tents. I'm like, yep. what is going on here? Like everything looks picture perfect, the playgrounds. But then what? Like yep. that really, really, really touched me somehow and kind of woke me up what the situation is like. Like really beautiful, but also really sad things happening at the same place. Because yeah. here it is like this as well but it's like a little more balanced i feel like yeah and that is something i really woke yeah woke me up actually yeah i had the same experience actually i have a friend that lives uh that was actually lived here with me in this house and then moved back out to portland mm -hmm. and we went and visited her and you know i'd heard how bad it was getting mm -hmm. but it's one of those things like until you literally see like yeah like an entire street just Cause that's, I mean, and it's sort of like the same here. Like we have displaced people and a lot of it is either, you know, drugs or people who aren't in mental health facilities anymore because our government can't afford to keep them open or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so you, you see that, but it's little bits like here's a person, maybe here's a couple people. And if there's like a, a shelter or something like there's a little bit more congregated than that area, but it becomes one of those things when you go to, go to Portland, especially it's just so shocking to see it literally juxtaposed against these multi-million dollar condos and, exactly. you know, crazy. historical places or the beauty of, of, you know, Oregon or whatever, that it, it was just a, a really stark contrast that even I was like, man, I've seen some homeless people and I've seen some kind of sketchy areas and, and so forth traveling around, but not like that. Yeah. And it was really, it was really something that I, when I came back home, I had actually, at the time I was booking shows mm -hmm. and I wanted to do a benefit for our own local uh, homeless people. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of shocking a, that local bands were like, well, how much are we getting paid? And I'm like, no, this is the whole point of this is to raise mm -hmm. money to, to do something. You're literally playing and I'm not going to know the conversion, but um you know, less than a mile or two miles, whatever that is in kilometers, um, mm -hmm. you know, away, like you're not traveling very far. So like, it shouldn't be an issue that you can do a show for free. Um, but then the more eye opening thing was when I tried working with some of our local organizations, they would go, well, what are your, what is your proposal? What are you trying to do? And when I kind of was just like, I want to do something to give you money. And they're like, Oh, we already have enough events this year. So we're not, we don't, we can't work with you. And it's like, you can't work with me to give you money to help our, our local homeless population. Like what, what the fuck is that? Yes. So it was, it was one of those where even on a very small local level, realizing that even if I wanted to help, it's almost like impossible to do anything because mm. you, no one wants to help you help anybody. Shit. That's so yeah. sad. That's so selfish. Yeah. Also, you know, like, but it is a big issue. I mean, your country's huge. And um, I, I I don't even know how many homeless people there are and if they're even counted. And uh, that was know. just so... Because I always saw the USA like... Um, yeah, like you see Hollywood, you see the biggest stars, you see the richest people in the world. And Bill Gates lived really close to my sister in Washington. Mm. He used to. Really, really close. Um, she doesn't have a Bill Gates house. <laughs> don't get me wrong. But, I mean, she has a house, which I think is a big deal here in Germany. Um, and, like, Amazon is the capital. I think the capital of Amazon is in Seattle. And all that 
big stuff. And then not that far away, like a bus drive away, the street and the bridges and the tents. And I was like, this is so extreme. This is so extreme because I always, yeah, just always identified it with all these stars and everything I think the USA wants to show on, on, um, you know, like, or like the, I'm not sure who, whoever decided that, but it's like entertainment. Yeah. Shining. And then behind the scenes, it is pretty crazy. Uh, yeah. And the, that's kind of how I see it now. I, I feel like there are a lot of beautiful things, but that really was so eye opening to me, this, this visit. And, um, I see it really different now and, Yeah, I, I kind of see the benefits my country has to offer, even though I feel like, oh, it's Germany, it's boring, it's kind of ugly sometimes and so old school, but still like the end of the day, it's important how they tr how like humans are treated and uh, if peace is trying to be, yeah, if, if we're trying to keep peace alive and all that <laughs> stuff, like basic living things, is, that's in the end what's important. Can you breathe? Is, is our water healthy? Are our vegetables healthy? And all that stuff, like that's something country you know like you need to be comfortable with and uh that's kind of yeah what it, what it feels like um also when you said italy um my old guitar player from my old band um his family is from italy and it's interesting to see how different cultures are within europe so mm. it's pretty hard to compare it i feel like because i feel like europe uh I'm not sure how, how you see it. It's it's not like a country at all. Like it, it's not a country, of course, but um, it is so different. Like when I go just a few hours to Poland, it feels completely different, like a completely different world. So it's funny. I'm going to make this, this reference and I know it probably because of what you just said, it will make sense, but it won't because you won't know just like, I don't know your geo like the same experiences geographically. Mm. I feel like because I grew up and was raised in the East Coast initially, so I'm like over by New York and all that. Uh, I live in Michigan, so now I'm right in the middle of everything, like up at the top by all the lakes. And to me, my time being spent on the East Coast, I talk all the time about how it's so different because you can travel because of how close those states are. You can travel four or five hours, six hours, and you're in another state. But the difference in dialect of, of regional, uh, speaking is so interesting. because if you go to New York, if you're in long Island, long Island has its own mannerisms. Mm. You can go up to, you know, Jersey or Brooklyn or one of the other boroughs of New York and they have their own accent. You can go to Philadelphia a couple hours over. Mm -hmm. They have their own accent. You go to New Jersey, you go to like where I'm from in Delaware, you go to Massachusetts. Like everyone has different dialects and they also have different history because of being one of the original 13 colonies um that existed when the mm -hmm. americans got started and so it's always interesting to me to, that i have that experience and then when i moved out here like we're rich in culture and, and it's one of the few areas where we proudly display all of the the old things like growing up in delaware as the first state we still like where our capital is we still have the old brick roads they won't go over them um, we still have a lot of the things from the 1800s and so forth that are still a part of our culture and are part of our landscape. And same with, you know, Massachusetts and New York and all those kind of things as well. It's, but then it was very weird to come here to Michigan where you don't really have anything. <laughs> and so, and it was really interesting to, to learn how to literally learn differently. Like back home, when we learned history, it was stressed the differences in the states where how our culture and our our 
country started and doing all of the different steps to lead to, you know, the declaration of independence and all those kind of things. That was like a whole on curriculum into itself Mm. moving out here where we get it. It's like a day and you're like learning all of it in a day or like a week. And you're like, wait, aren't we going to talk about this? Aren't we going to talk about these people? Aren't we going to talk about these events? And they're like, no. And it's, and Mm. it was really eye opening to see geographically how different we learn Mm -hmm. what's important to them what's important to us to learn in different things like hunting Mm. and all of that isn't really big was not a big thing i learned about back home but living out here like i remember coming to class one day and like half the school was gone and i'm like where did everyone go and they're like oh it's deer hunting season and i'm like what and so and they're like, well, we have an overpopulation of deer and different hunting seasons. So people go and we allow them to leave. And I'm like, that's fucking weird. That is so crazy. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. things like that when you start kind of learning how different, like, I know that's not a normal experience for people to travel, especially from, uh, I think you guys call them grades. But, like, I moved when I was, like, 12 or 13. So I'm kind of at a weird crux in my life where it's like I'm becoming an adult. I'm kind of almost halfway through my school career. And to be completely uprooted and have to learn new things was so weird and so different um, Mm -hmm. to then even, you know, being made fun of because of the clothes I had regionally from back home, like a sports team. And it'd be like, well, you're, you know, I remember getting called gay all the time because I had sports teams from back home. And I'm like, and I look at it now and I'm like, well, the Internet didn't exist. And if you didn't live in that area regionally, you couldn't get those clothes. So wow. Sorry. I didn't grow up here. And, but I imagine that it is sort of similar for you, as you were just kind of saying, where it's like, you go a couple hours and and you have a completely different region of people, uh, different histories, different, you know, cultures and all that. And so I feel like I definitely identify with that where you're like, Poland's different. This is different. And some people might hear that and go, I don't know how it'd be so different when you're only going a couple hours away I totally yeah. get it, but I don't think a lot of people do. Oh, it's, so I think traveling but, internationally yeah. like that wouldn't be so weird to me because I'm kind of used to it. Yeah, no, um, I think there's a big difference. Um, so in, in Germany, of course, I can drive six hours and just be in another city. And we have like yeah. the south area, which is pretty different. And they're also like not really laws that are different, but we have different dialects, of course, as well. And all that stuff is also in Germany, like that, that thing is also here, like different clothes and different behaviors. I think now with the internet, it changed a little, but mm. um, I could tell when I was on tour, I'm like, wow, this is pretty different. Like there are mountains here and my city, there are no mountains. It's not as extreme, <laughs> I think, but um, we have that of course as well. And um, yeah, I, I am experienced it already. And it's the same with like England. When you go more North, you can totally hear it different with their accent. than when you go to London or, in the south, it's really, really different because you cross different countries. Like um, here, when you go down, you like almost cross Italy or like Paris, and you can tell that the dialects pick up things from the other language. And that's the crazy thing. There are so many languages around us, like different languages. It's like you have the same thing, I think, when you go to Mexico. That's more what it is. It's like yeah. going straight on different thing, straight on completely different People, different country, like everything is different. Temperature is different. When I fly two hours, I can go to Greece and everything will be different. Also, the way they write, I can't read. I like it's crazy. It's it's really, really like um, 
That's why going to the USA almost didn't feel that different. It almost mm. felt like really German in many ways. It was interesting. Or like I was, um, I've been to England a few times. I feel like there are a lot of things that are similar in our cultures. Um, and yeah, I feel like uh, it feels even crazier going to Italy, for example, because Seattle felt so similar to the city, like to Berlin almost. Like the well, temperature was overcast. similar. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is different, of course, but there were many, many, many similarities. Um, also how people style and uh, I don't know. And then going to like Italy, I went to Florence. Um, that was so different. It was like, um, I don't know. It's pretty hard to say, but I would say it is, it is different. You just have to see it yourself and experience it. It's like different movies, you know, how, if you could say like that. Really different vibes. Yeah. It's funny you bring up movies. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and I think it was with this comedian, Burt Kreischer. Um, and he was talking about how, I don't remember who he's talking to, but they were talking about differences in cultures. And he was, and the person that he was talking to was like, well, you know, like in all of your movies, all the foreigners are the bad guys, <laughs> you know? And then, so he, uh, they were talking about like eighties action movies and so forth. And he goes, but like, in certain countries, like the Americans are the bad guys. And he goes, wait. Yeah. And he goes, so like, if you guys were to have a movie, like where, like we'll use like Top Gun, for example, was his example. He goes, so in that scene where it's like the Saudis, he goes, and we like see them and we're like, oh, they've got the black uh, helmets and all that. So they're bad guys. And he goes, you're saying that it would be Americans like in your movies? And they're like, yeah. And he goes, that's Crazy. so fucked up, like weird. And it was it's kind propaganda of propaganda almost, you know, that's kind well, of creepy. <laughs> Yeah. But it was, and I had never, I had never thought of that really either in that capacity to where it reminded me kind of of a different, uh, like sort of a, an analogy I heard recently where it was just because you're the hero in your story doesn't mean you're not the villain of somebody else's True. and you both have, and you're both mm. not wrong in those, yeah. those perspective perspectives. And it was just kind of interesting to to hear that and go like, yeah, like why wouldn't Americans be portrayed as the bad people like in other countries entertainment mm -hmm. so i thought that was kind of an interesting perspective to take because you know we we think of only the experiences we see and know true wasn't that stranger things with i think season three where I the still russians seen any of it oh no <laughs> okay I, knew I, I haven't watched the new season yet okay. I, I haven't but okay and i don't want to spoil you then i don't want to yeah well i mean <laughs> i already kind of i mean it's not that it's been spoiled but i'm one of yeah. those that like i knew that they were only going to do the four seasons so i was like i'll just wait for it to be done and then because everyone binges it so i was like i'll mm -hmm. wait for it to be done and then just watch it all at once because i i know that's okay. how i am but I was going to okay. say, I know it takes place in the 80s and obviously the big like Cold War between Russia and so forth was huge. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, it's it's not spoiling how actual history was. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, true. That makes sense that they probably took the historical context and yeah, yeah, just used it. True. But yeah, that was just one example that I had on my mind right now because I kind of forgot that I sometimes I, I feel like they just pick up the vibe from it, but I don't. Mm. I wouldn't associate it with the actual real history because of course there were monsters and all that stuff, you know, like, but yeah, it makes sense that they would do that. Well, I mean, that's almost like oddly when everyone was talking about here in the States, you know, when Trump was president building the wall and all I could think of was like, mm -hmm. well, I mean, they did that with the Berlin wall. 
Yeah. And it's like, we saw how that eventually ended up. <laughs> it was being, never like, a good idea. Here. So it Dude. was like, why would you think that doing this was going to like, would have a different outcome than this big historical one that we went through 30, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. I don't know. People like if humanity would learn more from history, we would be, I think a lot of things would be solved. <laughs> I was 100%. just saying that like yesterday, actually, I was like, if we would just start learning what we did wrong before, there might be a chance for us not fucking up all of this over and over again. I'm going to get the who's I'm probably going to get the quote incorrect. Like who said it? I think I think it was Jefferson, maybe. Um, but it was those who don't learn. Those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Yes, exactly. And it's one of those things where, you know, and I was kind of talking about this yesterday with a podcast I did yesterday or two days ago where I had made the comment about how the problem with all of that. And I think the, the, the general crux of it all is that we, I'll say at least for, as a, I don't want to generalize and say all people, but I will at least say it seems we as an American trait based on what I've seen, don't like to admit guilt or fault. Mm. So therefore, if you're never wrong and you're never guilty of anything, then how do you learn? Because everything is the problem is with everybody else other than you. Mm. Oh, that is really dangerous. You know, you have to, and there are a few countries that will repeat their mistakes and like um, dictatorships and stuff like that. That is, we know this doesn't end well. <laughs> like we, like here in Germany, we, really, we know really well this doesn't end well. So I don't understand how that is still a thing. Of course, there is no like ideal version of all of this. And humanity will always try to learn and learn and try and error, try and error because yeah, we also change and it's, it's really interesting. But I think one thing at least Germany tries to somehow do because of our history is to remind us what happened and we should never stop doing that. And some people here tend to push it away or say, Oh, that's been like, who cares? But no, we shouldn't forget. And that's why we keep history alive here. We try to, because we've, seen how shit can go down uh, or it was almost our fault or like like just a few days ago uh, I was asking my mom like actually how are we even alive like mm. our like my great grandmother must have been like um, I don't know she, she must have like listened to Hitler back then or something because how would we survive like isn't it crazy to know that like how how messed up their reality was and how different mine is and yeah, I, I was just like going all deep in that stuff. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, but I told my mom, we should just not forget what happens. And that I think that is something we should keep doing. We should be reminded of what happened and not repeat the same mistakes. Yeah. I have a really weird question since we're kind of in, in this topic. Now. <laughs> yeah, we kind of went into like a political, uh, I don't know what. Yeah. So here we have people who deny like the holocaust and, and all those kind of things happened mm -hmm. do you have that out there like do, do, are there people who are trying to because like i understand the idea of like wiping history out so like therefore like bad people like there's not the lineage of like oh my ancestors were the people who did this and and you know things like that i totally understand that that exists no matter what because that's mm -hmm. just how evil people exist <laughs> they mm -hmm. don't want you to know what they've been doing but more to the fact of like like we've kind of said that like it feels like your your country the countries abroad other than us embrace their history and where they came from 
And here we are, like I said, we try to eradicate a lot of it to the point where there are people like that never happened. The Holocaust and all of those things never happened. Does that, does that narrative or has that ever been a thing over there? Like where people are like the Holocaust never happened here Um, and all that never happened. I have to add one fun fact to this. Uh, before I start going that question, I we had a girl in my school and she had an exchange here in Nebraska. Mm. And um, she told us when she came back that there were people who thought Hitler is still alive and we live in a dictatorship to this day. <laughs> that is so crazy. And I'm like, what the hell are they thinking of us? <laughs> so there's also that extreme opposite from that. Um, so that's really interesting to hear yeah. <laughs> how diverse people like think the world is all right Um, these are also people that never leave where they've ever been so of course they were gonna have wild wildly outlandish ideas that is insane but um i feel like i'm not sure there are probably people who deny it here and Mm. just recently i watched a little um video or like interview of um a former nazi like he he used to work um as a like soldier back then and he yeah, obviously had a lot of things he did like wrong. Mm-hmm. And it was a big conflict if they would um, put him in prison or not, because he was somehow not in prison because there was no proof or something. And he was like a hundred years old, mm-hmm. like 90 or a hundred years old. So they were like, why should we like lock him away at this point? And then um, people did an interview with him because they knew he lived in this town. And um, so I'm, I'm not sure if, anyone here really denies that this happened because there's just so much proof. It's just bullshit, honestly. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it, yeah, it happened. And, um, but they romanticize it. And the thing the old guy said, he didn't have any, um, he didn't have any regret. He's like, mm. I never killed someone personally. And the media puts it wrong. Like it didn't happen like that. And what did he do wrong? Like he did so many great things and that's more what it's like. They somehow idolize this person and, um, or say it it happened differently, but that is just also bullshit. And I think they actually locked away this guy now. I'm not sure, but, um, Mm. because there were a lot of, um, things he said that are just not okay to do today and i think they've figured out a few things he did illegally and also back then but yeah it was pretty pretty hard i think he was also there when they invaded uh france and um he's like i didn't shoot anyone but they picked out like um i I don't remember the story well but some someone like distracted the bus or something and they didn't know who it was so they would go in every house in france take all the deaths and shoot them Mm. And he's like, but I didn't shoot anyone. So what's wrong with me? I was there, but I didn't shoot anyone. But you still like you, you, you know, like, <laughs> no. <laughs> you, yeah, but um, that's more what it's like. People idolize it. And there are a few people here. And that's such a big shame that say it was better back then. Or he had a great idea. But no, obviously not. Obviously not everyone. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Because like, I remember. It's it. Because I remember someone, you know, especially now that we're here in the States anyway, like we're dealing with all the overturning of old things, you know, with the abortion, women's oh, rights yeah. and all oh that kind of stuff. Oh, my God, that bullshit. Sorry, but that really no, 100%. made me so angry. And I was so disappointed when I saw that. And my siblings, once again, they're like, fuck, we need to leave. Like, yep. <laughs> we hope this doesn't spread. Like, yeah, but oh, really. Made it's me interesting sad. to 
you know, some people will like talk about, you know, when, when inevitably, if you talk about, you know, something like the Holocaust or Hitler or any of those kind of things, mm. you know, some people are like, oh, well, you have it easy as a, as a straight white man with blue eyes and blonde hair. Like you're the, the perfect person. And I was like in that culture. And I go, if I was born, cause like I was born with a cleft lip and palate. And I go, if I was born over in Japan back in a certain time frame. I would have been put on a hill to die because I was a, I was a monster. I was born deformed and mm -hmm. there was something wrong with me. I was imperfect and it was not how God intended me to be or whatever God there was for them. And I go, so it's interesting that just by like in one culture, I might be the, the perfect specimen. I go somewhere else. And because of something else, a part of that's a part of me. Well, now I'm undesirable and I would have been left to just, yeah fend for myself as an infant, which I obviously couldn't do. So certain death. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to, to have that perspective. And I don't think a lot of people go through those things because I'll at least say for me, like I said, having been for, born with a, a, a pretty minor birth defect, but it's like, I understand that in different cultures, I, my chances to be allowed to live a normal life would have been slim and none. But mm -hmm. because I was born here when I was born in the eighties and so forth, like, I mean, even the difference between my uncle who had it 10 years prior to me being born, the experiences yeah. we went through just from a technological and metal, medical side of things, drastically mm -hmm. different. So it's one of those where I, I have had the, I don't want to say luxury, but I've had the perspective always since almost being a very young person to be like, I, I guess I'm lucky to have been born here because of these circumstances that I have these opportunities. Same, but yeah. I've also realized that it's not that doesn't make one place better than another, that there's pros and cons to, to, to anywhere. And yeah. there, and that's actually sort of something kind of you were saying where it's like, we should learn as people how to use our history as people to better mm -hmm. ourselves and our environments. But instead we, we want to, for some reason, se segregate mm -hmm. each other and put ourselves into these different boxes or labels or whatever. And all it does is cause more division and, and, hate problems yeah yeah. Hate. yeah yeah absolutely we should like we're humans at the end of the day like it's like we're so similar it's uh, it's crazy just because you're born somewhere different shouldn't make you different like we we all need the same air to breathe and it's all that simple when you when you put it down you know like yeah. it's it's pretty sad i hope I hope it doesn't go in the direction of going back to the past because that's nothing we need because we are in a different time. There are different things we need to do. We have different problems than people had back then, like the climate, for example. Like today, it's so hot here. And um, I was just posting something today um, where, where someone was holding a sign saying, this is the coldest summer you're gonna experience in, in the next years. And it's crazy because every summer is getting hotter and hotter yeah. and hotter. And there are people denying that there's like climate change and stuff like that. And no, that's something the entire world has to work on. The entire world. Everyone has the same problem because we live on the same earth. It is, it is that simple at the end of the day. Like we are, we have to work together yeah. to live. And that's, and I hope it will work somehow, but yeah. Kind Our, of big, big topic, big topic. <laughs> <laughs> kind of shifting a little bit away from a yes. very heavy topic. Um, I think I had seen somewhere that you are a vegetarian, if I'm not mistaken, or vegan, one or the other. Yeah, I'm vegan for a okay. few years already. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many, but yeah, a few years now. And Johannes, our drummer, is as well, actually. How, uh, this might be an odd question. 
how have you found the movement of you know veganism to be now that you like you know coming you went to a good spot going to portland because there's a shitload of vegan and vegetarian places there uh and mm-hmm. same with seattle so i mean that's that's an easy True. one to say like and my sister is vegan as well and her entire family so that was heaven yeah <laughs> it was like vegan heaven yeah but how have you found in your travels, and I will say more recently, since you've been able to tour a little bit more more recently, how have you found that that movement to be abroad? Um, I have to say uh, one thing that is making it easy for me is that we have a writer where it says we're vegan and people yeah. are able to prepare. Um, I know that there are a lot of cultures that are just use, like eating way more meat than others. Uh, for example, in Sweden, it was so easy. They, oh, it was beautiful. I mean, but it was a big venue. It was Sweden. It was the capital. Of course, <laughs> it was easy. Of course. And also in Budapest, we had great catering, like in Hungary. And um, so, so far, it was pretty all right, actually. Um, but we we had a few times, even in Germany, when you take stops in between and you go to like um, a random like restaurant. I don't know how you call these like gas stations or whatever yeah gas stations stations. yeah like where they have like hot dogs and stuff like that and there was (laughs) one woman and um johannes our drummer was asking if um if this one box or this one menu is vegan she's like i don't know like i she was like really rude about it she's like i don't know he's like well could you check it maybe because you work here like i don't know What, what is so weird about this and then um i don't know she she got so rude about it she's like why would you like she wouldn't accept somehow that we're vegan and then Johannes just turned around and left and he's like I won't I won't buy shit here. <laughs> I'm like okay okay that's how we deal with it because usually I go like I I don't want to make a scene I'm like okay I'll just take the fries because I know they're vegan mostly. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like you know what no I don't pay shit to, to eat here like fuck <laughs> you you have to change the way you treat us and buy you won't make money like this in the future. Um yeah. So yeah, that's that happened, and there are sometimes a few people who will talk weird things about you not eating meat or like anything at all. But yeah, so far it was pretty okay because the big chains, like which I don't like to support, but even McDonald's has a vegan burger now and Burger yep. King, like yep. um, they make it somehow easier and accessible to eat everywhere. And like fries are mostly always vegan, so that is a lifesaver, honestly. <laughs> fries. It's been one of those things like I, there's been a few people I've talked to um, like, I, but it's funny because like uh, talking to uh, Doug Douglas that used to be the singer of Night Versus and a few other bands, he was like, I don't remember where he was, but he on the show, he was talking about how he walked like, I swear it was like 12 or 15 miles one way to go to this like small mom and pop vegan place. Cause it was like one of the only places around that he could go to. Uh, and he was like, it was like the best food I've ever had. So that's totally cool. worth, totally worth mm-hmm. it. But it was one of those, like where it's like, I feel like there's, and I kind of forget that McDonald's and so forth, like have those options now, but it's, it's one of those where I feel like in my mind, that's how it would be. But that's because here in the States, I feel like we're not super, super like fr- like trying to be friendly and cater to a lot of different eating mm. habits or like you know even like the gluten-free and, and the things like that if people have uh, different food allergies i don't feel like we try to cater to all the different people it's just kind of like well you're shit out of luck so sorry uh mm. can't eat here so it was it was kind of like a wondering if the same thing is is abundant over there but i feel like kind of produce yeah. and food is so much more rich and and 
for lack of a better term, more cultured than we are here in that capacity. I, yeah, I feel like the closer you get you get to villages, it gets it becomes harder. Like mm. in the capitals, it's mostly like are mainly pretty easy okay. nowadays. Um, as I said, like the big chains have a lot of vegan options and a lot of stores that I know here from Berlin that are also um, up there in Stockholm. Like I was in Stockholm in Sweden at 7-Eleven and they had a few vegan options and that was amazing. So now I know maybe the 7-Eleven in another country might have vegan options because that's the chain and they are aware that we exist <laughs> as vegans <laughs> exist. But yeah, we had like, there are a few villages like or when you get to the countryside it gets harder, of course. Here as well, it gets harder and they're not aware of that as, as much, but um, as I said, we have the writer and we write there that, that we are vegan and um, the bigger venues you have, more people are aware that there are vegan bands. Like a lot of, especially in the metal scene bands are vegan. And yeah. I think that's, that makes it easier for us. Also, when I was at the festivals, like there were so many or pretty many vegan options because so many bands must have been vegan probably. And that's cool. <laughs> that's really cool. So yeah, it was cool what? so far. Something that I find interesting, and I kind of was thinking about it again as I keep seeing your Paramore shirt. Mm -hmm. That was actually a... my pajama. I forgot that I was wearing this. <laughs> I bought this when I was sixteen. It was my. I was at a Paramore show. Show actually, yeah. Mm. So that's really old. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny to me because, like I said, like being into a lot of different bands, it feels like. You know, like I, I look at a band like Refused for me and I feel like it's it's interesting that they have gained the popularity they have here in the States because of their uh, political affiliations and a lot of the things that they believe and, and sing about. And just that it seems like not a band that people would have embraced, uh, especially when they came out uh, to even bands sort of like, you know, In Flames or him or a lot of the other bands that I was listening to. Is it? Is there kind of a band maybe that has traversed from us to you that you're kind of like, I'm surprised that it has done well over here? Uh, Again, that I might be a really think... dumb question because I have so many examples of bands that I'm like, I'm surprised that these bands did well over here in the States because it doesn't seem either sonically or politically or lyrically or whatever that it would fly here, especially mm -hmm. in the time of when it happened. So I don't know mm -hmm. if that same thing exists in reverse i think we, we do have a few but i think johannes would be the best person right now to answer this question <laughs> because he mostly knows like all the rumors about bands if they have like weird shady stories and um mm. I, I am not 100 sure and i don't want to say wrong <laughs> things i i there's only one band with, with which i thought was sabaton mm. Um, where I thought or, or where I heard that people might assume different things with them or something, but I'm not sure. I don't want to say any, like, I don't want to put out any rumors or maybe I get it wrong, but that's kind of what I heard, like that they might have a split fan base that other people interpret different things into their lyrics than what they actually mean. And yeah, that, that might be one, one example, maybe that like, how, how does it work that two different, like groups of fans would work together and uh, interpret the songs completely differently. Like I would never want my songs to be as open, like for any like weird groups that I don't want. I will, I really want to like, um, 
yeah, show that we are like a tolerant, open, cool, nice band where everyone can feel home and we will never spread hate or anything. And yeah, that is really important to me as a band. But right now, I it's really hard for me to find an example. Um, okay. Oh, no, I'm not sure if I'm going to pick this up. But there's one band that is a really big dilemma, I think, which is mm. As I Lay Dying. Um, and that is pretty hard. I don't think it has anything to do with the country, honestly. Mm. Um, no. <laughs> I, because we, they play in Germany, I think. Mm -hmm. um so they're getting ready to do a are, european run in like a week and a half i think yeah and um i'm i personally don't know that much about it but i think that's a really interesting situation to be honest like how do you deal with a situation like this like most people give give people second chances or say we are not the government like he went to prison and all that stuff but i personally wouldn't know like how i would feel about that like when i know like a person like this is like in the same room with me it's kind of weird you know like because we have a lot of songs about domestic violence and we really speak out loud about it and um that would be a really big contrast and that's something that i'm a little surprised about how the community like the the rock and metal community deals with it's like a little interesting to see it's hard i i, I don't know how to to give a perfect solution for this but yeah i think the thing for me and i've, I've talked about this quite a bit on the show and on other shows because my thought when the the band was getting back together i was kind of you know the band should be a tim i'll say i'll just say tim tim mm -hmm. should be allowed to to go back to his band it's up mm -hmm. to the people it's up to the musicians that want to play with him it's up to the, yeah. the fans that they want to still support him and i go but at the end of the day the bigger talking point that no one seemingly wants to talk about when they talk about this is do you believe that by punishing someone who has committed a crime or a felony or whatever, that they when they go to prison, do you believe that whatever time they serve will rehabilitate them? Because if you mm -hmm. don't, that's the bigger talking point. Can you be rehabilitated? That's do you believe really in the important. rehabilitation process? Because if you don't, then now we there's a bigger narrative that we need to discuss. Because mm -hmm. at that point, it's it's then, and especially it kind of goes back to like cancel culture-y kind of things that sure. are happening too, where it's like, we all make mistakes. Yeah. Are you saying that when you make a mistake, that you are your mistake and that you have to live with it forever, that you're yeah. never going to grow beyond it, that yeah. you can't grow as a person, you can't learn to not think the same way maybe you did 10, 15, right. 20 years ago? Like, yeah, and the circumstances we, are really important of your life and um, yeah. yeah. Sure, but because yeah, that, that's a good point. That is a really good point because you kind of question the entire system of like, um, I feel like it's different because I feel the metal scene, uh, it is, it's the time right now with the cancel culture, as you say, like we are talking about all these things that haven't been talked about. Like so many bands kicked out their members in the last years, like so many bands mm -hmm. because I feel like there's a change right now happening. And that's, that's maybe the timing that makes it weird because we are in that kind of wave where we want to be like correct and um, tolerate the victims and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it's hard. I, I'm not as informed about the topic, so I yeah. wouldn't say much about it, but that is something that I, that was on my mind right now. Like that is interesting. And as you said, it's a, it's a decision for everyone. And I feel like everyone deserves a chance, but I personally had uh, also different experiences. Like for example, that's a little, a lot of information, but my father was in prison in America and he mm. can't go back to America and he's German. 
And that dude hasn't changed at all. <laughs> he lives in Croatia now. He doesn't even live in Germany. Like he will like fuck off where they don't get him. It's crazy. Um, and yeah, so I, I, it's hard. It's hard to say. Yeah. But say. I was going to say like, that's so, you know, I'll share a piece of like a little bit of extra information about my thing. So mm -hmm. I had a friend that ended up going to prison and was definitely one of those wrong place, wrong time scenarios. Mm -hmm. And the person, you know, my friend has had a, a very, uh, very hard life, um, yeah. you know, being being an adoptive kid, uh, having gone through cancer, doing a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And the the situation, unfortunately, that led to the, the event that, you know, landed them in prison for a little bit was kind of like I said, it wasn't really due due to a, a, an error. Uh, in judgment or anything like that. It just was kind of that wrong place, wrong time, honestly, is really what it boils down to. Mm -hmm. But the thing that like sucked about it was that the catalyst of that was that uh, another one of our friends called us while we were all together. And it was, my dad has like less than a week to live. Oh, so my we went to, they went to go get her to then have her come be with us. And then, you know, an accident ended up happening that took someone's life. And mm. it was one of those things to me where, I saw the guilt, the the shame, the 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 rehab, the rehabilitation of things like what did I do that caused these things? That happened mm -hmm. almost immediately that I saw from my perspective to then have to spend you know the couple years in prison and seeing what it did to my friend, seeing, you know, literally going and visiting her at times and seeing what other people who clearly like were not remorseful and just were like this is whatever. Mm -hmm. Um but then also seeing how we, at least our system here, doesn't set people up to be successful when they get out. Like the rules that are implemented, like, you know, you have to get a job, you have to do these things, have to pay these fines, have to do all this. And thankfully, because of a good support system, you know, she was able to get a, a job. But the, mm. I remember right away, like one of the things was like, well, how are you going to get there? You don't have a vehicle. You can't drive. And it's like, well, I have people who are going to do that. Are they really going to do that for this amount of time? And it's like, why are you questioning like, how I'm going to live my life now that I'm out. Like you need, you need me to do a, B and C and I'm doing X, Y, and Z to make sure that that happens. So why does it matter how I'm doing it? Like you should yeah. be happy that I'm rehabilitating my life and trying to get back on track and, as opposed to in sure. spite of how difficult it is to do that. And it's one of those things to me that when I, I see those things, it's made my approach to the Tim thing a lot different, but beyond that, it's also this, this idea that we don't, once someone is something, we don't look at them any other way. We don't allow them to change our perspective yeah. of who they are. And to me, it's like Tim majorly fucked up. And what he did was horrible. It's a horrible thing. Mm. But isn't that kind of the person who has a large platform, who has this thing? Wouldn't you want that person to then go, look, I did fuck up, but I'm a great example on how you can turn your life back around mm. and use the experiences, the bad experiences you went through for positive to, to be yeah. a message and a beacon for other people. Wouldn't you actually want that? And that's another yeah. side of it where I go. So what do you want this dude to do? Like just yeah, rock right. forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is, that is true. That is true. Um, because I keep saying, and um, because as I said, I wasn't informed. I don't know how, how they communicated, if they actually communicate the mistake or whatever, or if they just like, okay, 
we, I, I was sitting in prison. It, it's gone and done. And let's keep on going. That might be an option. I, because I haven't informed about it. I don't yeah. know him like at all. Um, and I feel like a bad person is only a bad person if they don't want to change their mistakes. Yeah. And that's what makes a shitty person, a shitty person that they will think I'm perfect. There's nothing yeah. I need to change. And, um, Yeah, we have to stay open-minded and as long as we reflect the mistakes and just one big thing is do the people actually reflect and regret what they did or are they just trying to get money again? You know, like that that might be the option, you know. But as long as people um, reflect their mistakes and try to change for the better, uh, there's nothing to say against that, of course. You know, that, yeah. it, that, is, that is what makes the world better if people will start doing that, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, you know, again, kind of like I was saying earlier, I think it's it's hard because some people either just this is where I stand on this issue and I and I don't even want to think a different way. Mm -hmm. But I'll say for me, and I've said it countless times ad nauseum, but potentially those that are listening for you have never heard me say this, where it's for me, it's going to therapy really kind of taught me how to look at things from a differing perspective. And I've kind of always lent, led, fell that way where it's more, let's kind of take in differing sides, try to get as much information as possible and make a better informed decision on mm -hmm. anything versus making a rash decision based on the least amount of information I possibly could. Yeah. Sure. But I, again, I think that goes back to taking some ownership of, of anything and kind of thinking inward versus reacting outward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've also been in therapy for a year now. So, uh, Oh man, I've learned a lot of things as well. Like, It's really, really good. Everyone should try it. <laughs> I, I, I agree yeah. 100%. I told yeah. someone once when they were like, how do you like therapy? And I go, it's almost like seeing in 2D your whole life. And then you get these tools mm. to see things from a different perspective. And all you can think in your head is like, holy shit, does the rest of the world know that you can see this whole other world that yeah. exists? And it's amazing, at least for me, you know, we would, because uh, I went for about like six or seven months And it was interesting to see how even after the weeks, like the one therapy session, the rest of that week leading up to the another one, how the things that we had addressed and tackled presented themselves in my day-to-day -day life where I'm like, oh, okay, now I know how to handle this. This is mm -hmm. what I do. And then, you know, talking about how like with the new tools I've been given that I'm able to conquer these things or do, do other things that I usually would not react very well to. And it was kind of funny to be like, wow, getting these new tools has really improved my life, I think dramatically mm -hmm. yeah i think it's also even in this because before i'd have a list of questions sitting off to the other side of my screen and i would be like here's my conversation i've already thought it all out in my head i'm leading you here with all these questions and then with therapy it was just like well you can't do that in life like you can't <laughs> make yeah. everything perfect and you can't pre-plan for everything so just be more in the moment and let things happen and that's sure. where the magic is going to happen yeah yeah it is it is uh true but it's also good to have a plan i think both things are good to keep you safe but then also allow the natural conversation to happen i guess yeah because yeah. that, that it depends on who you have in front of you kind of true but yeah true. yeah because i can talk like you don't it's crazy <laughs> like i can talk so much it's insane but yeah um that was good uh that was an interesting point of view you gave me there i'm uh, really thankful that we thought about that and i think it is so important to show people this kind of um 
what is the word again, communication with this topic that you mm -hmm. could have a thought or um, be a little judgmental. And then the thing that we shouldn't stop doing is discussing and talking to each other and opening each other's perspectives. Because yeah. um, I think that really, really helped me also to kind of, because I haven't informed myself, as I said, but um, that's why I don't like saying things at all when I don't know things about it. But that was just something I picked up. But as a good perspective, like what... Yeah, you just have to keep your mind open, I think. And that is, uh, and you have to keep discussing and talking. Well, I think something I've learned, A, in doing this, actually, it's something I, I've really enjoyed about doing this podcast over almost six years and getting to talk to more people from outside of the US. Like, one of the first things I picked up on is that because English usually is not your first language, mm. that I tend to notice, and it's something I've tried doing, where Americans, if we don't have the idea or the word or whatever, we'll just keep fucking talking through it. <laughs> yeah. People, people not from the States will stop, think about what they want to say, find the thing that they want to say, and then say it. Mm -hmm. And to me, I feel like it's a, it's a really interesting reflection on I, how I feel that we societally, here at least I'll say, we have to know everything you have to, you can't like showing a sign of weakness, showing that you're not smart or whatever, or that you don't know something can be seen as a sign of weakness. I feel like versus just mm -hmm. going, I'd rather articulate myself the way I want to versus just throwing something out there because it's the first thing I could think of. And mm -hmm. it's not how I actually, what I'm actually thinking, nor how I actually feel but yeah. because I don't want the awkward situation of like, uh, well, let me think about it. Yeah. That's not how we can, that's not how we communicate here. And that's something, a mannerism that I have picked up from talking to people from different oh. countries, uh, that English is not their first language where I go, that's a really clever way to do something. And mm -hmm. it's really helped me embrace because you've said a couple of times, I'm not, I don't under, I don't know that. So I'm not going to talk about it. I've said that plenty of times in the last couple of years where I'm like, I don't know. And I, I don't feel like I have a position to talk about this. Yeah. So I'm just not going to because all sure. that's going to do is spread more misinformation potentially. Exactly. Because sometimes less words can have more value <laughs> than a lot of words. Yeah. And that is, yeah, exactly. That's interesting. I haven't thought about that, that we might take more time to reflect, but um, I think that really depends on the person. It really depends on the person, but yeah. Well, I, also, I also think it just proves that we, as English, our language has just a lot of unnecessary words that make <laughs> it harder to communicate when we could say something a little bit more direct. Yeah, true. It kind of depends on the language, what words are given. And one word could explain like five sentences better sometimes. Yeah. That's, yeah, um, it saves time. <laughs> Um, speaking of time, I don't want to take up too much more of yours. Cause I know, like you said, you were in the midst of working, so I don't <laughs> want to take up too much more of your time. Um, you know, I know you were kind of joking earlier that you don't haven't been writing already for the follow-up, even though this record just came out like a month ago, mm -hmm. um, with kind of the thematics though, do you see yourself kind of doing another theme for the record that's been carrying from the last two records or would you like to just kind of, and I'm sure it just kind of happens it's not something you plot out to do but do you think it would be a little bit more freeing potentially to not carry over a theme and just kind of start something anew or give a thing its own identity i honestly haven't thought about it yet but i i had one idea already and mm. that is I'm, I'm a weird 
I'm like a weird, I don't know how to say it. It's the same when I get tattoos. It's the same when I dye my hair. I feel like, and I've, I'm not sure if that's spiritual, but I feel like the world throws it to me. Hmm. They, it throws it to me. And um, for example, run, uh, I was um, working at a like store a few years ago and I, I've released Escape already and I was working to get money to make music. And um, I had a colleague and he was like, okay, so Escape is the first one. You're writing the next one. What's the next one going to be? Run, huh? And I'm like, you know what? That is, we, we laughed about it. And then I'm like, you know what? Why not? <laughs> and uh, I had a similar situation uh, recently. And I'm like, it is so funny and random, but sometimes life just um, throw, throws things at you and maybe you just take it and make something out of it. And I feel like that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm always like being led by coincidences or like signs and i kind of like that way to do things like not overthink them but um take like little signs or pick them up or i just do what feels right i i don't like to think about it too much um because that makes it more complicated sometimes to overthink <laughs> and overthink what should we do next if i if i randomly get the idea or emotion that i want something separate from this i will just talk to the boys about it and do it but mainly i just follow what i feel like and that's I can't say what it's gonna be. It's funny you bring up signs. I, uh, my friend actually Julia that I was talking about, Porter's wife. Uh, I had her read my cards for the first time very oh, recently, cool. and it was interesting because a lot of it felt very much like therapy, where like yeah. a lot of the things she was saying and revealing in the in the cards that she had pulled for me, it was like because I was kind of nervous, and I remember Porter made a comment like where he was like what are you afraid of? And I go, I don't know. Like, what do I do with the information? Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, what did you do with the information with therapy? And I was like, I don't know. I sat there with it for a little bit, thought about it, saw how it applied to my, my day-to-day -day life and mm -hmm. put it to use. And he was like, yeah, so you do the same thing. And True. it was kind of funny to see how similarly it felt like where, yeah. you know, and I, and again, it goes to perspectives and how everything goes. Like, you know, cause I didn't understand that. Like if a card was upside down, mm -hmm, I guess some people, when meaning. they, yeah, some people are like, oh, it's bad. And so when Julia was kind of explaining that to me and she goes, no, like some people go, oh, it's bad because it's 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 the adverse of what you want or how it's supposed to be. And she goes, but I like to think of it as you have the tools for the what this card will unlock, but you haven't figured out how to use them yet. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I like that. I like I like the idea that you have information or tools that you have in your life but you just may not have the functionality of how to use them yet to mm -hmm. their, their full potential. But if you're more in the moment and you pay attention to the things that are happening around you, that you'll kind of start seeing that. And it sounds kind of hippy dippy kind of shit or whatever, but I've definitely noticed between therapy and, and doing that and just things in general, that it's like life seemingly kind of does give you like things where you're like, that's weird that like, you know, I was talking about going to, uh, to, like we were talking about going to Utah randomly. I talked to a friend of mine that lives in Utah. And as soon mm -hmm. as I got done doing this podcast with him, I opened my phone and the first image that popped up was on Instagram with someone that literally was standing in front of the sign in Utah. Yeah. And so I was like, that's weird. Like life mm -hmm. seemingly is kind of like, maybe you should go to Utah. And maybe when I go there, there'll be something that happens that I'm like, I'm really fucking glad I came here because of whatever happens. But yeah. it's one of those, like someone might go, Oh, that's weird. Utah's been popping up a lot in my life. Meh. Exactly. I that is exactly um what I what I do in my life is almost like 
provocatively, like provocatively mm-hmm. throwing signs at me. Like I can't <laughs> ignore it. Like what you just did um, or just said as an example, if that happens one time, you get like, okay, maybe that was a coincidence. But I had so many things in my life that were just so like obvious and I couldn't like unsee them. So I kind of just followed them. And I noticed when I followed these signs in my life and my past, great things happened all the time. And they just made sense and were so easy to do. And um, yeah, I, I finally, I have like a mini job for a witch as a social media manager. And that's why I also kind of saw a lot of things about this topic. So I'm really open-minded. I always pick up different things from different areas and try to see what you can make out of it, like how you can use it for your life. But yeah, that's that's interesting because that, that happened to me too. Like meeting the band, for example, was just so random and <laughs> was like life throwing it to me. And I just took it and I was like, let's use it. Let's make something out of this. And that's kind of how it goes for me. It's It's pretty cool. It's like... I wouldn't say there's like a plan for me, but there are just things that naturally happen and I'll just follow them and, or trust the feeling somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Hippie been interesting. Answer. Yeah. No, hundred <laughs> percent. Like it's kind of funny. Cause like, I, I feel at times like we were at, my wife and I were at uh brunch the other day with someone and one of her old coworkers was like, I have an announcement to make. And it was like with a bunch of other coworkers that they had. And she's like, I think I'm, I'm going to be a Satanist. And the, the room, like the table was kind of like, oh, and then like it was like, oh, well, what does that mean? And I go and she was like, well, it's it's not what you think. And I go in my brief in my brief, very brief uh, research into it. I was like, it's whereas a lot of other religions are very like you have to do these things and you have to like these people are bad, you know, so on and so forth. I go, it seems that Satanism, from what I've gathered, is more a freeing of of the individual to have experiences to not judge other people to not judge things to just kind of be uh mm. it's almost like an it's it's a religion where it's almost like the religion is the religion of uh absence basically of like you're not having to go somewhere every week you're not having to judge people you're not having to wear these things or do these things you get to be who you are Mm-hmm. Uh, judgment free kind of and she was like yeah and I was like and I was like I mean in that capacity I'd like that I like the idea of that yeah. I go I'm sure if I were to start digging a little bit more I'm kind of like mm, but I'm not into some of this other stuff and I was <laughs> like but I think that's kind of the thing you know kind of sharing a little bit TMI here but you know I've had a little bit of a falling out with my my dad really because uh, he found a religion all of a sudden and in talking to him I've kind of come to the realization that it is essentially a bandaid. Um, it has allowed him to, and this is fine. And I, I understand psychologically why you would do this. Um, but it's like, you know, when he was talking to me about how he found it, which was through a YouTube video, uh, which is problematic to me, but mm-hmm. um, it was, well, I want to be reunited with your brother. Cause your do- brother died when, you know, when he was an infant and, mm-hmm. you know, wouldn't you, be reunited with your brother and i'm like all i hear is that you haven't grieved yeah a passing of of your kid from almost 36 years ago but here's here's the band-aid now now there's an afterlife so boom now you get to do that yeah and then it was you know things i've done wrong in my life well band-aid now i'm absolved of those things or you know i don't my wife and i don't want kids so it's like once i'm gone his legacy's done well hey i have an afterlife 
boom, fixes that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that is what kind of I feel like that's what religion is there for or was made for, for all the questions of, and all the pain you that you couldn't answer. That you have the band aid, as you said, it's like a band aid. It's like a place to go to, and it has answers. It has answers to your questions. And that's what we want as humans. Sometimes, yeah. you know, it's hard. There are not always answers. Or maybe we get the answers years after. Like um, our guitar player, he's a doctor in history, actually. Oh, really wow. cr It's crazy. Yeah, it is insane. And um, it's interesting because he says he, he randomly will throw some information at us sometimes. Like, I feel I, I think he once told us that back then people thought love is a sickness. And that is so crazy and funny to see if we don't have answers, we will give up, like we will make up answers. And that's kind of how religion, I feel like, was built back then or how the Bible was written and a lot of other books um, because we needed answers for, for, for illnesses or like back then they thought pe gay people are like sick and try to yeah. cure, cure gay people. And that is later on. Uh, time will, will give us answers or research will give us answers. And I feel like this is what a lot of, and I don't want to, I don't want to sound like arrogant or anything. We don't know what exists above us, whatever. Right. But I feel like that's kind of, it's like a psycholog like psychological solution for a lot of people, as you said. Um, yeah. And yeah, I feel like you kind of have to understand or see again what history used to say, what religions used to say and how time would answer that it's different. Like electricity exists, we can fly, we can create fires. A lot of things happened. Like yeah. a lot of things happened. Witches used to be burned and all that stuff. Like, you know, so pick up the good things, but maybe also try to be rational about some things, I feel like, you know, but yeah, makes it's, sense. It's interesting. And I think that's, I mean, if there's a narrative, I guess, throughout the whole, but that ties everything together is this conversation has been to just kind of, not be quick to judge things to kind of sit with yeah. it and, and figure out what it all means and then kind of react accordingly. Yeah. yeah. That is, uh, I think a great way to do things. And how do we build a bridge? That's, that's how what we want to reach with our music. No, I'm kidding. But I mean, kind of <laughs> no, but yeah, that is uh, a nice, I think a nice message to put out in the world. Yeah. What, uh, lastly, where, what would is there anything online that you'd like to plug or anything you want people to be aware of or follow? Pooh, um, uh, hard to say. I think, first of all, try to always make the best version out of yourself that you can be. That if that's like the conclusion of, of the talk, like reflect, think, and see or perceive things and don't judge them as quickly, maybe sometimes. Like, try to perceive things, be open minded, and yeah, that is kind of also. I don't know. I, it's hard to like build the bridge with, with the music because of course I'm here because I'm like Maria from Future Palace. <laughs> I'm like not a philosophical, like a philosoph How do you say that? Philosoph philosophical? Yeah, like I am not like a person who like writes book about books about stuff like that. But I write <laughs> I write music and that's kind of like my mindset where, where I write these songs. And yeah, so you could just, if you if you like that, you could just follow us if you want to support us um, and our values and our mindset. Of course, you could follow us everywhere on Spotify or whatever or see us on tour and try to make and try to spread like nice messages and make people aware of um, sensitive topics sometimes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we are here to spread love and hope. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you again for the time and uh, hopefully you'll make it to the States 
Yes. I'm playing probably next year based on just understanding how touring is going right now. Mm-hmm. Probably looking like yeah. next year. Yeah, we dropped some news yesterday. Um, oh, yeah, signed with sign our, ta- uh, Sound Talent. Yes. Group. Yep. That, uh, yeah, yeah. So that is yep. already a big step for us um, to go to other cities and countries and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Good people. I had uh, Dave on a while ago. So good, oh, nice. uh, good group of people. Awesome. Yeah, we're really, really happy to be on there. So. I can't wait for the future. (laughs) Thank you again for the time. Thank you for having me. So that was my conversation with Maria again of Future Palace. Um, Go check out their new record, Run. Uh, It's actually, I really enjoyed it when I finally sat down and actually had time to listen to it. Um, Sometimes when doing this, you know, I try not to take in too much information, watch too many other interviews and so forth, because I don't want to go in with some kind of a perception or preconceived questions. I kind of, like I said, I, I want these to be more in the moment, unique to the person who is literally sitting across from me and, and having a conversation. And I don't want to piggyback off of somebody else. I don't want to focus too much on, on an album or on song titles or lyrics, because those are kind of stamped in time. I, I kind of want these, as Dewey likes to say in Peer Pleasure, kind of want these to be timeless. I want them to be when you listen to them. It doesn't matter if it was from five years ago or now. Like It still feels relative, relative and pertinent to the time we live in because it's a connection between two people. And in that, I think Marie and I really accomplished that. I think we really had a great conversation that is thought-provoking and definitely challenged a lot of the ways that I see and do things personally. And I feel like that was uh, something that I was definitely not expecting going into this conversation. You know, even thinking about and touching on, you know, her coming to the States and having siblings that live here and, and that America is still this land where people are excited to come here. It's the, the land of opportunity as it's become known. And it's weird because I look at it and I feel almost an entirely different way about it because I feel like all I see is the negatives of everything. And I guess it really is that perspective of you really don't know what you don't know. And it isn't until you can kind of see things through someone else's eyes that you can kind of gain a bigger perspective on on life and things. And this is, you know, kind of to echo, again, the sentiments of what I said in the intro and throughout the whole chat. This is just one of those where it was kind of nice to be able to ask questions uh, and, and not feel like I was going to be judged for asking a stupid question. And, you know, the one that really kind of stuck out to me, honestly, was, you know, as we were talking sort of about the political affiliations of of the things going on here in the world in in the U.S. And I was like, you know, it's really weird. You know, I would feel like from an outsider's perspective, especially, you know, with you got you living in Berlin and having gone through the, the, the fall of the Berlin Wall, that we would look at that in history and be like, we realized that this wasn't going to work. It didn't work. (laughs) internationally for someone else we went in and told someone to tear down this fucking wall and and took it down why would we you know decades later think that that was going to be a good idea or lead to anything other than just problems and divisiveness um so it's one of those where it's interesting to kind of talk about some of these bigger topics with somebody someone who doesn't live here and vice versa um so I really walked away, I guess, that, you know, I keep reiterating this, but I just, I really walked away from this one being glad that I, I, I had the time with Maria to, to talk, uh, that I got new perspectives on some, some ideas and things I'd been thinking of. And 
you know, I've parlayed some of these ideas and talking points into other real life conversations I've had with people. And uh, again, it just can't be understated enough how doing this show is actually such a huge gift for me uh, to be able to to think out loud and to, to grow myself. Um, and hopefully, hopefully you enjoy that. Uh, if this is your first time listening to this show, thank you. Uh, go back, listen to more. I, I promise, uh, I'm not going to say everything was great, but I will say over the last year and a half, two years, the show has become more of this. Um, and this is where I think the, the medium really works when you, two people have time to talk and aren't rushed to hit certain things. Um, I think that's really where the magic of the, the podcasting medium is, uh, so without further ado, though, because this conversation was a little bit longer, let's start kind of wrapping this up. If you would like to keep up with Future Palace, you can find them on Instagram at Future Palace Official, Twitter at Future Palace DE, or Facebook at Future Palace. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Maria, I could only find her on Instagram, and it's at it's Pandagram. Uh, I couldn't find her on Twitch. Doesn't mean that she's not there. Um, but if you would also, I know she does Twitch. I think it's called it's a Panda thing. I think is her handle on there. And uh, if you would like to keep up with the band and buy merch, whatever, tickets, all that stuff, you can go to a rising slash empire dot shop slash can't pronounce it. It's K-U-E-N-S-T-L-E-R slash future hyphen palace. Uh, it's all in the show notes. Everything's there. Go check it out. Support the band. Uh, hopefully check them out if they come around. Uh, it would be great to see them play here in the States, uh, hopefully sooner than later, but I'm going to assume that's probably a next year thing at the earliest uh, with just all the visa issues and so forth. And for the podcast, if you like keep up with us, it's simple enough. You can find us at Bruce Speak Pod on all your major podcasting platforms. You can watch all of these where there's a video applicable over on YouTube. Pretty much wherever you can listen to the show, you can. Uh, if you could rate, review, subscribe, that definitely helps the show grow. It helps us get to all the new people and eyes and ears uh, that don't know about us. And uh, if you would like to support us monetarily, you can do such over at patreon.com slash brewspeakpod. And uh, we also like to thank our sponsors for supporting the show, for their continued support in supporting the show. Rockabilia.com, head on over to Rockabilia. Use our code BRUTALLY at checkout, take 10% off your total purchase order. On Point Palmade, keep your beard and hair looking on point. Use our code BSP15 at checkout. Take 15% off your total order. Last but not least, The Bean Bastard. Go to thebeanbastard.com. Pick up some delicious coffees, hands, handmade soaps, body scrubs, all kinds of different stuff. And if you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head on over to the brick and mortar store. Support the small business and businesses over in that area, actually. They do a great job of uh, collaborating with a lot of other companies and businesses in the uh, the Buffalo area. So go support them. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John, and I will return, well, depending on when you're listening to this, I'll return later today with a whole nother episode with Patrick Galante of Ice Nine Kills. That is a, a fun one. Speaking of Buffalo, we keep it Buffalo strong with that one. That was a fun chat. I will see you all then.